Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Hello, OBD. Uh, my name is Jake. If you haven't met me before, I'm excited to be back here with you guys in the, uh, this morning. I'm going to be hanging out with you afterwards as well. I don't know if we mentioned it, but we always do a Q&A question, answer, and just opportunity to pray afterwards as well. So you can stick around if you'd like to ask questions about the sermon or about faith, or just whatever that might be. Uh, we'd love to have you stick around and we can chat afterwards. Um, I have the privilege being able to share today. We're picking back up where we left off on a series we've been teaching through about the Great Commission. Uh, we took a little pause for Mother's Day last week, but we're back in action on the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission is a, a title that people have given to Jesus' departing words before he ascended into heaven. Uh, he's, he's still there, I guess. He's seated at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. Um, but he rose again from the grave and was appearing to people in bodily form for 40 days after he rose again from the dead. And his departing words before he went up and, and, and ascended into heaven are what we now call the Great Commission. Let's take a look at it just as a reminder. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus, kind of like as we've titled it, he, he, he commissions his followers before he ascends into heaven. And... Um, what we've been, the way that we've been approaching this is just thinking about what does this mean if it's a commission for us? And what a shift that has been in my own life to realize that, that I am commissioned, that I am intended to be a disciple or a follower of Christ. I find it more helpful to, to maybe use the word apprentice. I find that's more, maybe more of a relatable word in today's, in my context, you know, like I'm an apprentice of Jesus. That's what like maybe another way to um, think about what it means to be a disciple. So it's a shift in my thinking. We can look around in our in our time, and, and, and there's a lot of churches in our town, and there's a lot of people that would identify as Christian, and you can sort of pick up uh, a certain impression of what it means to be a Christian just by sort of our life around us. But it's been a shift for me to realize that I was intended to be an apprentice of Christ. And, and, and not only that, but I'm commissioned to go, therefore, and to make other disciples. It's like you know, if you were an apprentice uh, baker, I always use this baking analogy for some reason, but if you were an apprentice baker, your job would be to learn from the master baker how to bake better. And if your commission was to go and to make other apprentice bakers, you would then share your notes. You would teach them how to, how to bake the way that you've learned how to bake. And like, is that, you know, I'm reflecting on this and that's what we've been doing as a church going through this series is like, is that how we see our lives? Do we see our lives as, as, as learning from Jesus how to live like he lived and then teaching others how to, how to do the same, teaching others what we have been taught? So this, I mean, what an amazing shift for us. And um, I just want to, I just want to start by saying, don't let this just stay something on the page. I just want to invite, I'm, I'm saying this to myself as much as anybody else, but you know, wrestle this down. Is that really our lives? Is that, is that, do we have a sense in our lives that we are a disciple and contributing to making other disciples? Do we understand, do we, do we have a sense in our lives that we are learning from Jesus how to live our lives as he would if he were us and showing others how to do the same? Is that a real tangible sense in our lives? And if not, I'm just, I, I want to invite us to, to, that there's more, I, there's more for us to understand in this. It's, it's, I, lo I love simple thoughts, and here's one that's changed me a lot, is that Jesus wouldn't ask us to do something unless we could. 
There's a simple but powerful truth. Is Jesus asking us to go and to make disciples if we can't? I'm implying the answer is no. That we, I'm saying we can do this. And if it's not a sense in your life that, that really that's, that's not how you see your faith and that's not how you see your life being lived as contributing to the discipling of others, I just want you to know that God wouldn't ask you to do something you couldn't. Um, he's inviting us to an amazing life. Um, so I'm actually going to be honing in on a certain part of our commissioning our commissioning, I'm going to call it that. I'm going to hone in on a certain part of that today, and I'm actually going to look at part of verse 19 where we talk about baptism. And I think I might be talking about one of the the, the lesser, if not the least understood of our commissioning. Um, let me explain myself. So if our, if our command is to go, therefore, and, and to make disciples, it makes sense to us that we would, uh, in verse 20, teach them to observe all that he's commanded us. So again, if you're a baker, there's instructions given on how to bake. And it would make sense to us that to make other apprentice bakers, we would need to pass on what we've been learned. It's teaching them what we've been taught. That makes sense to us. But a part of our commission is actually to be baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that we connect those dots the same way. Wait a minute. I understand why we need to teach people how to live as Jesus lived. That makes sense to me. Why are we baptizing them? Why are we dunking them in water and saying these weird things? I don't, I don't know that we always connect those dots as easily. So let's talk about it. Um, Starting with basics, uh, if, you, if you've, you've probably seen baptism, even if you haven't thought a lot about it, maybe you're brand new to this kind of thing, um, the Greek word that we translate baptize, I can't pronounce it, but it just means to dip, to immerse, or to submerge. So you, you've probably seen it in movies, if nothing else. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is a great movie. There's a lot of baptism in that movie. Um, you, you, you literally dip someone in water and, and, you, and you raise them back out of water. That's what, it, that's what it means. And it was a much more common in Jesus' cultural context, like in his day when he was on earth, um, that was pretty common. Like in Hebrew culture, they have something called the mikvah and it's this like bath they take where you have to completely submerge yourself in the bath. And it was like a, a purity ritual. And it was just... And it, Right before Jesus, there was also this guy named John the Baptist, and baptism was a big part of his life. That's why he's called the Baptist. And he was baptizing people in what, in what is called repentance. Like he was basically, it was a symbol of people being washed clean of their sin. They were, they were coming to say, I'm sorry, I want to turn from this. That's like what repentance is. And, and he, would, he would dip them in water, and, and they would be like a symbol of them being washed clean. Um, so that's what, that's, it was very common in Jesus' day, but... Jesus comes and invites us not just to do what John the Baptist did. It wasn't, it's not only a symbol of, of being washed clean of your sin. That's, that's actually a part of it. But Jesus, in our commissioning, here's our instructions, you know, is, is baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So um, this might have just gotten even more confusing, right? It's like, so we don't necessarily always understand why we're baptizing people, but now we're doing it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're saying it's not just, it's not just a symbol of just washing somebody clean. What does it mean to be in the name of? Um, in, especially in Hebrew culture, in a lot of places, though, the name of someone is, is representative of who they are. So when you're baptizing someone in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you're baptizing them, you're immersing them or submerging them into who they are, okay? And I'm gonna loop back on that if that doesn't make any sense because how, how do you immerse somebody in who God is? This is getting pretty interesting, isn't it? Um, so we have this sort of crossroads and I, I just wanna stop here. This might be already obvious at this point, but I wanna say like 
we, we find this a bit confusing and you know we, we so we recognize we're commanded to do it but we don't always understand why and is is really Jesus saying to us you know just um, I'm asking you to do something weird and just but just obey me you know just say the words in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and dip someone in water and then and then get to the real disciple making you know then then get to teaching them how to live like I am you know it's is he asking us to stand on our head and spin around and you know, say the alphabet backwards. Is he just trying to say, do something weird, but I'm asking you to trust me, you know? It's like this act of trust or something. And it's probably pretty obvious that my answer to that is no. There's a lot There's a lot more going on here. Um, I think it's a part of our commissioning uh, to make disciples, to lead people to an understanding of what it means to be buried with Christ and raised to new life in him. I'm gonna say that again slower. I think it's a part of our commissioning to lead people to an understanding of what it means to be buried with Christ and raised to new life in him. I think this is the, I think this is the key, is that we are to literally baptize. In other words, we are to literally dunk people in water and say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is something we literally do, but it's, it, but it's important that there's understanding. So it's actually a part of what it means to be a disciple, and it's a part of our job in making disciples to have people understand what's being depicted, what's being symbolized or happening when we're baptizing. Look with me again at verse 19 here. It's probably still on the screen behind me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, comma, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, comma, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. It's in the same breath. It's in the same sentence. To Jesus, baptizing people was, was, was a part of what it means to be a disciple. Um, so let me pull up another verse here to help us understand this. I'm gonna show you Romans chapter six, verse four. It says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Um, I'm gonna read that one more time. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is another quote from the Bible. Paul's writing to Christians. That's why he's saying we. We were buried therefore with him, him being Jesus. We were buried with Jesus by baptism into death in order that, let's just pause there for just a second though. When you're... um, when you become a Christian, when you, when you give your life to Jesus, you're entrusting, you're entrusting um, your sin to Jesus and, and you're forgiven for it. You're, um, we're, we're, that's what it means to be buried by baptism into death. You die to sin. Jesus takes his, your sin on himself. He takes the, the punishment for it. He, he breaks the chains of sin that's ensnared you. He takes it upon himself and puts it to death. Um, I don't want to cruise past this and just get technical with you. I want to slow down and soak this in because I think this is intrinsic of what it means to baptize and to make disciples. We need to see, and it's a part of our job to to understand and to lead people to an understanding that you can be set free from your sin. Your sin can be removed from you and put to death. It, it doesn't have to define you forever. It's like the things that you're not proud of, the the parts of you that you're ashamed of, the um, the issues that you can't seem to escape. Um, Jesus takes those upon himself and delivers you from them. He takes the punishment for them. You don't have to bear the punishment. You you get to go free. The punishment isn't counted against you in God's eyes. You're forgiven and washed clean. You're set free. You you die to sin. Romans 6, 4, we were, were buried with Jesus by baptism into death. 
That's why Jesus said to a guy named Nicodemus that in, in order to get into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. So we're, in, in one sense of the word, we're literally dying to who we are and we're being born again. We're becoming a new creation. So we're, we're in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So baptism, when you're submerging somebody, it's symbolizing a spiritual reality. It's, it's not just a weird thing that God's asking us to do. You really do die to sin. It's left under the water. It's buried with Christ. And you come out of that water, not just the same person, but a little cleaner. You come out a new creation in Christ. You come out born again. This is what Jesus is inviting everybody to. Um, we, <laughs> we can talk about that. And, and I could talk all day about this. And maybe you have questions about what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ? Let's talk about it. You, you die to sin, like I said, not just to be a little bit cleaner than you were before, you're a new creation. When you come out of that water, when you come out of, of the forgiveness of Christ and you're born again in the spirit, you're a new person. Just think with me back on uh, verse 19 of Matthew 28. We're baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I said to you before that the name of someone is representative of who they are. Jesus is calling us to a spiritual reality here that when we are made new, we're actually made new in God, like in who he is, in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. So that's the connection here. Is that It's more than just saying those words and dipping somebody in water. You're actually, it's speaking of a spiritual reality. You're a new creation in Christ. You're, you're a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. It's It's, it's the... <laughs> it's the, the core message of Jesus. It's the invitation to all of us. It's the invitation to Carlton Place today. Like it's the invitation to you and I and our friends. Like we can be set free from ourselves and become children of God and to, and to be forever his. Like baptism is the depiction of that invitation from Jesus. It's, it's a literal thing. It's more than, it's so much more than just something weird that we do. Um, I want to talk about the, the newness of life. Like, what does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean once you're this new creation in Christ? That seems like an abstract thing. And for a lot of us, and in my life, I've struggled with this idea that that is just at, at best a distant truth. It's like, okay, you're a child of God, but maybe that's just this, okay, I don't really understand that. I still have struggles in my life or um, it's spiritual, so I guess it's not reality yet. That's a confusing thing. That's been a confusing thing to me. Um, so what does that really look like? What does it mean to walk in the newness of life? What does it mean to be a child of God? What, what are we doing when we're raising people out of the water in baptism? What is, what has Jesus done? Um, I want to point us to another verse that's going to help us understand this. It's in found in John chapter 20 verses 21 to 22. Um, Jesus, this is after he's risen from the dead. He says, uh, he said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus gives us another way to understand what it means to be a child of God or to walk, as Romans said, in the newness of life. He's actually saying, it sounds like a commissioning, doesn't it? As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. He, he's pointing us to this freedom, this ability we have once you're, you're born again and it, to, to walk as Jesus was walked, as Jesus walked. To, to live righteously, to, to love people in a new way, to, um, to live the way that Jesus lived. It sounds like an apprenticeship, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, if we're sent like Jesus is sent, 
we can look at his life in the Bible and see, okay, there's something, there's something there for me to, lock, to walk out and live. This is something that I'm to emulate in my own life, in my own personality and giftings and calling and context, you know? Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna fire at you just some, just some like food for thought, some like, like different points of what I make of what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be born again, what it is when we come out of the water of baptism. Um, being sent as Jesus was sent. First point is that it, um, Jesus is, it says in the Bible in John 5, verse 19, that, that he only does what he sees the Father doing. He, he, he said, I, I, I can only do what I see my Father doing. So if we are taking notes from him, we, we are sent the same way. And there's a place for us to only do as, as, as God would lead us to do. There's a closeness of communication that God wants to have with us where he's actually showing us how, where to go and he wants to have a part to play in, in big decisions and even little things too. God wants to speak to us and, and have a closeness of communication where it's, it's like Jesus was walking around. He was only doing as he saw the Father doing. God wants to talk to us that kind of way. <laughs> I, that hasn't always been a reality in my life and I'm learning and growing in that myself, but Man, God is God as a good father is so interested in in talking with us. Like, what's stressing us? What's like what's got us worried? What's what we're we have a big decision in front of us? God, what do you have to say about that? Like, can you help me understand where to go? That's the way that Jesus was walking around every day. He was only doing as he saw the Father showing him to do. There was a closeness of communication that I think is inherent to what it means to be a child of God. If you're God's child, God loves you so much that he, he's, of course, he's going to parent you and show you where to go. He wants to have a say in those things. He wants to guide you into, into the life that he's created you to walk out. Um, there's a closeness of communication available to us. If hearing God or how do I actually receive from God, what does it mean to hear from God? If those are questions on your mind, I want to point you to two books that have really helped me out. Uh, the first one is called Hearing God by Peter Lord. That one's really accessible. It's a really easy read, but it's extremely helpful for me in, in unpacking what, the, what that looked like for Jesus. How do we hear from God? How do we um, see what the Father's doing and, and, and follow in his footsteps? How does, how does God say that to us? You know, Hearing God by Peter Lord and Hearing God, same title of the book by Dallas Willard. Um, check those out. They were extremely formative for me in understanding uh, that God wanted to talk to me, that there's so much more that God wanted to be saying to me that I was missing, you know? Um, this is what it means to be sent as Jesus was sent. Um, more food for thought for you. Jesus was sent in authority. And if we're sent as Jesus was sent, there's actually a delegated authority that we have in our lives as well. There's a lot that we could say about this. I'm just gonna skim across some key points here of what I think it means to be a child of God and what it means to be raised to new life in him. But let me just say this about the authority that we are delegated from God. And you can check it out in, in Luke 10 and in Matthew 10, when Jesus was, um, before he had you know, died and rose again, he was telling his disciples, he was sending them out on mission and he would say, I, I've given you authority to tread over all the power of the enemy and over serpents and over scorpions. And he says in Matthew 10, I've given you authority to, to cast out unclean spirits and to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers. He, he said to them, it's, it's so important to understand, he, he gave them authority to do that. So I'm imperfect in this and learning to understand it myself, but when, when his disciples were going out, because they had that delegated authority from him, they weren't saying, you know, let's say they encountered like a, like a demon or something, like an unclean spirit. They weren't saying, 
Um, I hope you leave, demon, or uh, you know, please leave if you if it if it's if it works for you, demon. Could you leave that person? You know, they they had authority to say uh, get out of them. You know, in Jesus' name, <laughs> they had authority to do that. They had been given delegated authority by God to go do that kind of thing. And there's something for for us to walk in in that. And it's probably a whole other sermon series to unpack what that practically looks like. But let that let that simmer in the pan of your mind for a little while. That God sends us out in authority. It's, there, there's something, there's a place to understand the will of God and, and to, to exercise it. It's not, oh, please leave, demon. It's get out in Jesus' name. I hope that makes sense. Um, Jesus was sent in a deep knowledge of the scriptures. Um, that's the same thing that we are called to as well. God wants to meet with us in the scripture. Jesus knew his Bible inside and out. It was a, a, a key part of like the insight that we have in his relationship with God, like it, as far as we can see anyway, you know, when the devil tempts him, Jesus responds by quoting scripture. Jesus stands up in the synagogues and reads the prophet Isaiah and says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He, he knew intimately the plan of God as it was unfolded in scripture. And God wants to speak to us in our Bibles as well. I'd love to do a whole message sometime on the the evolution, this was something that was really blowing my mind last year, the evolution of what it took for us to have Bibles in our hands today. Like there's, there's like thousands of hours of scholarly work and research and literally people have like died to, to, to defend the right of every believer to read the Bible themselves. There was a time and place when the church at large, like you didn't, you weren't really allowed to read your Bible. It wasn't encouraged. Like you weren't supposed to go meet with God in the scriptures yourself. And, you know, there was also a time in history when literacy was a problem. But my point is, some people have literally given their lives to say, you know what, God intended for every believer to be able to meet with God in Scripture. And um, what, a, what a crazy thing that I think I take for granted sometimes. But to be sent, back to my point here, to be sent as Jesus was sent is to be sent in a deep knowledge of the Scriptures. God will meet with you in your Bible. He's available to you, and it will um, clarify his voice if you're wondering how to hear from him in my first point. Um, point four, Jesus was sent without fear. Um, I'm not really sure how to explain that other than to just say that there is a place that as we grow in our knowing of God, as we grow in faith, there's, um, in first John, he talks about how God's love casts out our fear. As you grow in your relationship with God, you're, you, you see this love that you have from God in such a big way that it, it's almost hard to be afraid. It casts out your fear. And Jesus was walking in such a way where he wasn't afraid. He, he was so close to God that I guess the, you know, I, I'm going to semi misquote it, but Jesus says, you know, why fear man who can only hurt your body? You know, like Jesus had this revelation of the bigger picture, like of, of eternal life that would say, you know what, worst, thing, worst case scenario, they can only hurt my body. Like there's, there's so much more than that. And <laughs> what a way to, what a way to live, you know, what a, what a opportunity for perspective that I know I can grow in too. Like there is so much more for me to walk in and understanding the bigger picture. Um, I don't have to cling to this life as if it's all that I have. It is so far from that. Point five, Jesus was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you might, uh, you know, you might think that you, like you can almost think of if, if we're talking today about an apprenticeship to Jesus, what does it mean to be an apprentice of him? You might think that you can almost just read it like almost like an instruction manual and just try and do it yourself. But I, I don't think we can do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you just purely without, without the power of the Holy Spirit, just try and mimic Jesus' life, it's, it's not going to be very successful. Jesus was actually modeling a life for us to walk in where he was living by the power of the Spirit in the same way that we will need to. 
Um, what does that look like? It, it looks like Jesus needing to pray, needing to receive comfort and guidance and encouragement from the Holy Spirit. It, it means that the power flowing through him wasn't just something that's found in man. It's, it's through the Spirit of God. That's the, same, that's the same power that we are to walk in. When we, when we pray, when we use that delegated authority I've talked about, we are, it, it's, it's not us, it's God through us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit through us. So Jesus was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is the way that we're sent as well. Number six, Jesus was sent in selflessness. Um, this is the way we're meant to walk as well. Um, Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done when he was being faced um, with crucifixion and beyond more torture than you know we can even imagine. He was actually being faced with like actually bearing the sins of the world on his back. And Jesus knew God in such a way where he said, God, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. He had such a trust for God he, that he knew it would be better for God. Like, for, like as, as far as he trusted God in such a way where he would say, if that's your will, I trust you, I love you. And he knew that it would be better for man. He knew that it would be better for the people around him that he loved. For his, out of his love for God and his love for people, he lived in such a way that said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to lay my life down, not my will, but yours be done. This is the same way of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a child of God. That's the invitation is to love God in such a way and love our neighbors in such a way that we start to say, um, my life isn't just for me. It's not to be hung on to. It's not, I'm going to hold that loosely if it means good for you, God, or it means good for the people around me. Uh, you, you love not your own life. Uh, yeah, this is, this is what it looks like to be sent as Jesus was sent. Um, my last point, just to give you food for thought on this, is that we are to be representing God in word and deed. That's what Jesus did. He, he spoke, um, he, he, he preached, he, he, read the, he read the Bible out loud to people, he, he, he counseled people, he talked with people and walked with them. But he also walked the talk. This is, this is what it means to be sent as Jesus was sent, is that we use our words, but we also live it out. It's, it's something that our whole lives echo is... Um, <laughs> this God that we found and who God is and um, the righteousness that we see like in his life, um, we live that too as a way to point people to who God is. It's, it's in word and in deed. Um, we represent God in our entire lives with everything we say and everything we do. Um, so let me just take us back to my just that first verse. Um, we in our very lives have the opportunity to um, in fact, we're commissioned to, to go and to make disciples of all nations. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, to teach them to observe all that he's commanded us. And Jesus reminds us that he's with us to the end of the age. But I hope, I hope I'm giving you a, a, some deeper understanding of what it means to be baptizing people. We are to literally do that, but we're to lead them to a place of understanding of what it means to be buried with Christ and raised to new life with him, to be sent as Jesus was sent. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend some more time in worship this morning. Yeah. Um, hmm. God, thank you so much for this crazy invitation that I feel like I'm just discovering in, in so many ways. There's so much more for me to understand and walk in. I thank you for the invitation of all of our lives, God, to make disciples, to lead to this crazy big reality, God, that we we can be, everybody on the stream, like all of us, like we are, this is what it means to be a disciple is to, 
to, to go under that water of baptism, to die to our sin, and to come out of it a new creation in Christ. Thank you so much for that crazy reality, God. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for who we are as your children and for the privilege of being able to spread that news, to show other people as we're making disciples, to call them to that place of understanding of what it means to, be, to die to our sin, to be forgiven for it, delivered from it, leave it dead with Christ, and to be raised as a new creation in him. Thank you, God, for um, this like cosmically large thing that you're doing in our lives around us. I pray that everybody would have a, uh, at least a peaked curiosity, if not God, a stronger sense of what it looks like to live as a child of God, to, to be an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus, and to, to grapple with a sense in our very lives of, am I showing that to others? Do I see my own life as a disciple um, and am I showing others that way as well? I thank you for your grace, God. I pray that everybody would believe deep down in their heart that they can do that, that this is not something that's distant or abstract, but it's the life that you've called us to. It's the mission at the core of, of, of our lives. Um, thanks for loving us. Thank you for everybody on the stream. We just thank you, God, for um, meeting us today. You're amazing. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.